Welcome to Adjusting Frequencies, a Cornell Media Guild podcast. I'm Christopher Morales. Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing well and staying safe as we continue to navigate this global health crisis. If you're a new listener, I greatly appreciate you checking this out. If you're an alum wondering where the heck I've been, I promise I've been recording new interviews. It's a matter of having enough time to sit down and edit them. I'm also a perfectionist and have been thinking about restructuring a few things, so forgive me for this soft relaunch. But we're here. If you listen to the welcome episode of this show, you'll know that I'm on a mission to collect stories from different Cornell Media Guild alumni over the years. However, I think this podcast is also going to be a tool for me to inform other alumni and perhaps the general public listening about some cool updates from the Guild. For example, we had a successful online reunion and symposium in the last couple of months. Our current GM and president were able to offer updates on the upcoming year, other alumni gave presentations on their areas of expertise, and I even had the honor of premiering an amateur film touring the 604 East Buffalo Street Studios. If you missed out, you should definitely check out the recordings, and I know there will be more online programming in the near future, so make sure you're subscribed to the alumni newsletter, and if you're not, feel free to email alumni at wvbr.com and we'll take care of that. Alright, that's enough yapping from me, here's today's interview. Well, Mr. Whit Watson, thank you so much for joining me on Adjusting Frequencies. As you know, I'm just trying to collect stories from VBR alumni from their times, what they believe deserves to go down in the history books. And so I'm just going to get straight into it. What years were you active with VBR? If there's any specific role that you held that you were proud of? And I think more importantly, which studio did you experience? I'll start with the last question first. So the studio that I experienced was Linden Avenue. Uh, I think it was 227 or 229 Linden Avenue. The building that, to the best of my memory, was at one point a gas station or an auto repair shop before it was a radio station. Uh, It was old and filthy when I got there. Uh, And when I got there was the spring of 1990. So January 1990, the, the spring of my freshman year. Uh, I walked in at the behest of uh, a floor mate of mine who is also a VBR alum named Liz Hagland, her married name Spoto, Liz Spoto, lived on my floor in Sperry Hall, which no longer exists, the old university halls on West Campus. And uh, she was a communications major, and she knew that I had an interest in broadcasting. Um, I actually started at Cornell as a baseball player in the fall. We practiced uh, pretty much seven days a week. Um, and I made a decision that I, I wanted to pursue my dream of broadcasting and journalism and that playing a varsity sport there was just too much of a time commitment. It was really kind of overwhelming. Uh, so that's when I started. Uh, I, I trained as a sports announcer under then sports director Grant Claypax, um, and he kind of taught me the ropes. Uh, eventually, I was the sports training director. I was the sports director my senior year. I graduated in 93 and also found time in between to become a jock. I, I did some overnight uh, DJ sessions, and I don't think I ever got much further than overnight, maybe maybe one step higher than that. Uh, but I was pretty deeply involved in, in the sports uh, broadcasting department there for all four of my years. So a lot to dissect from off of that. Did you also major in communication, or was it something different? I was not a communications major. I was an English major. I was in the Arts and Sciences College, and I always had an interest in broadcasting. And in fact, I looked at schools that had communications programs mm-hmm. and journalism programs, um, Cornell was the one place where I didn't visit the student radio station or television station. I never saw it before I enrolled. 
And I, I knew VBR existed, but on the campus tour, they don't take you into college town. They take you around campus. So right. I, I never saw the building until I walked in. And honestly, um, that, and I say this all the time, not just for your podcast, that was the most valuable education I ever could have received in my chosen field with the four years I spent at the radio station. But, but no, uh, I was an English major in art. Well, if you never saw the studio, I'm, I think it was kind of a good thing that you never had a chance to see it before you officially locked in with us. So what other schools were you able to get your talents from and steal them away from other schools? What other schools were you looking at? I looked at the University of North Carolina. I looked at the University of Florida. It's where I'm from. I'm an Orlando native. Mm -hmm. uh, I looked at Penn. I looked at uh, Virginia and Stanford. And my final two were North Carolina and Cornell. Big differences, uh, a lot further away from home, but anybody who attended Cornell knows that there's, there's so much appeal to it in terms of you can do anything. You mm -hmm. can be an English major who works at a radio station. Just the, the opportunities and the diversity and the, uh, the number of different paths you could choose were what sold me on going to Cornell. Well, we were certainly happy to have you. Let's fast track a little bit to your sports announcing days. What do you remember in terms of the, the, the real sports work that you were doing? Was there a particular team that you just love covering? What were those days like? I was a big basketball fan, so I liked covering basketball. Uh, they would do sort of a um, midnight madness, like opening to practice that we would go cover. Uh, we would cover games and get interviews with players after the games. And of course, hockey is a very big deal. Uh, we'd go to the hockey uh, media days. Uh, back in the day, VBR didn't have the rights to actually broadcast any of Cornell's games. So our coverage was limited to attending the game, getting some sound from players, preparing a report for that evening's newscast or sportscast. The one thing we did do, a couple of uh, guys in the department and myself took uh, tape decks, cassette tape recorders for you youngsters out there, and put headsets on and would go to the basketball games and do mock sportscast do a mock play-by-play -play mm -hmm. just to have some tape of us actually calling a game because we didn't have the chance to do it live um, and I've had a, a couple of friends of mine and I would do maybe three or four games a year so that was the bulk of it hockey obviously then and now was the number one story whatever happened with the men's hockey team was the lead story uh, but, you know, baseball season, basketball season, we tried to send people as often as we could. Is there a particular story that always just sticks with you in terms of your time at VBR, whether it was a big success, a big challenge, just something that you think deserves to go down in the history books? And there were a couple of things. There were a couple of opportunities. For example, there was a hockey player named Kent Manderville, uh, who was uh, the star player for Cornell during my era. Um, we actually kind of helped break the story that he was leaving school early to go enter the NHL draft. And we learned that in a bar in college town when a friend of a friend introduced me to him and we started talking and he kind of casually mentioned that he was leaving uh, to go to the NHL. So that was sort of the big break um, that, that we were able to pull off in those four years. But on a personal note, uh, when I handed off the sports director position to the gentleman that followed me, Dan Weinberg, who's now a vice president at CBS Sports in New York, by the way, um, I wrote a handbook and I, I tried to be as complete as I could. Every single thing a sports director would need to know from scheduling, shifting, uh, how to pull the AP, what happens when it doesn't work, coverage, et cetera, et cetera, put it all in a three ring binder and handed it off to him. I'd love to know what happened to it. I, I, don't, think it, 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 I don't think it lasted very much past Dan, uh, but maybe somewhere in the archives uh, that Three ring binder from 1993 still exists. I'd love to know if somebody has. I mean, potentially, I'll tell you this much. There are so many documents that are just lying in and around in the Buffalo studios right now. I, you know, I like to go through them every so often. 
usually because I'm trying to look for a very important document like our license and make sure it hasn't expired. <laughs> right, right. But what you're describing, we put them now on a Google Drive, the, the media, of course you do. Now right. media Guild continuity documents is what we call them. And every year we emphasize that for the transition, please write your manuals. What is the next person supposed to know? I don't think there is a single manual that is 100% complete for the positions. At most, at best, 50%. It's really, it's, it's really impossible. It's, it's a good effort. You know, it's, it's, it's something, and I'm, I'm glad, by the way, I'm really glad that we still do that, that we still kind of hand it off to the next generation of leadership, because that's really important. And, and those documents, I mean, what you're doing right now and, and those documents to trace the history, there's no, I've been in this business literally for 30 years. I, I'm, I'm just turned 49. I was 18 when I walked into the building. I've never seen a place like WVBR ever. I've never seen an entity that has been able to continue the way it's continued uh, being staffed by people who are only there because they have a passion for it. Uh, it's a really unique place. And so I'm very glad to hear that there's still kind of a live archiving uh, system going on. That's great. That's great to hear. Oh, certainly. We, we, we really love, especially as well, alumni will send us some packages, even if they're just old flyers, uh, old pamphlets when they were doing for ad sales anything and everything. We really enjoy seeing those kinds of documents. And we also have some photos plastered in and around the walls of all these great memories. And speaking of memories, I have a kind of a speed round of personality questions here and seeing how you would respond to them. Um, you know, you don't have to date yourself if you want to think current day, but I think it'd be a lot more fun to see what you remember being as a student. Are you ready? Sure, let's do it. All right. Best bar or restaurant in Ithaca to hang out at? Ruloff's. Ruloff's. Good choice. Which ones are you signing up for? Morning drive, afternoon drive, or graveyard shift? Morning drive. I like being up in the mornings. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's where all the action is. That was the fun part. That's where all the, I like that response is where all the action is. Uh, which ones are you playing on your shift? Tapes, vinyl, CDs, or digital files? Uh, mine were both vinyl and CDs. When I was there, it was it was both vinyl. We, we, we were transitioning from vinyl to CD during that era. All right. We, we fortunately still have our full library of vinyls. It's just we, we kind of reserve them to our weekend programming. I think not because we don't want to play them midweek, but rather the rest of us don't know how to use, uh, you know, the, I don't even know what to call it. See, I've never had a chance to. Well, see, you never had, you never had to learn how to seg records, how to back time vinyl so that when you started it, you wouldn't hear the ramp up on the song. We had to learn how to do that to be clear as jocks. Very important skill. <laughs> a skill I don't think I'm going to have anytime soon. <laughs> you won't have to worry about it. Don't worry about it. So with that, though, name a band or artist you would refuse to play during your shift. Okay, there was a running joke. Uh, there was a band called Fog Hat uh, back in the 90s. And there was a running joke among the music department that it was all Fog Hat all the time, which was kind of a joke. It was the opposite. It was They were kind of a cheesy quasi-rock band that we kind of made fun of. So there's no fog hat in my shifts. Name a VBR alum you would have loved to have worked with that your years did not match up with. That's a great question. And the answer for me is Keith Olbermann, uh, who was the sports director. He was class of 79. I was class of 93. We overlapped at ESPN by about a month. Mm. So I, I did meet him before he left ESPN. And the, and the only thing we talked about was WVBR. Um, and of course, you know, his history, he essentially saved the radio station a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I would have loved to have been around Keith when he was in his prime, because I heard he was kind of a mercurial temper when he worked at WBBR. He was, uh, he ran a little hot, my understanding. So I would have loved to have had the chance to, to work with him. I mean, I'll tell you this much. We still have all kinds of personalities at the stations these days, mine's included. I was just fortunate to be able to walk off last March, uh, finishing my term as general manager, but 
it is what it is. It's a radio station full of, full of love and just a reputation that will always proceed it. That's right. I, I want to talk to you a little bit uh, more about what WVBR gave to you and professionally and personally what VBR has meant for you uh, post-graduation once you're done and now being an alum. Professionally, it was everything, like I said. I mean, it, it was the training ground that uh, launched me onto the career that I, I've maintained to this day. I, I moved back to Florida after graduation. I worked for the Orlando Magic. Uh, in their broadcasting department as a feature producer, which involved a lot of writing. All the copywriting skills that we learned uh, during the four years there have really carried me to this point. Uh, I was at ESPN for seven years as a studio anchor. I worked for the Fox Regional Sports Networks here in Florida for seven years after that, and now 10 years at Golf Channel, uh, also in Orlando. And the ability to, to think critically, to write quickly, uh, the interview techniques, presentation techniques, Things as simple as, as getting used to hearing yourself on tape. You know, we all hate the way we sound when we hear ourselves recorded for the first time. Mm -hmm. When I walked into VBR as a freshman, the first thing that Grant Claypax did for the trainees was put us on tape to get us used to the idea of hearing ourselves, get over it, get over the awkwardness and the weirdness and get used to it and start to view this as a profession, not a hobby. Uh, all of that directly impacting my career to this day. And on a personal note, my closest friends to this day are people that I worked with at the radio station. My closest Cornell alumni friends, the ones I keep in touch with the most, are fellow VBR alums. Um, the relationships that, and you guys all know, from being in those staff meetings and the board meetings, the guild meetings, when things get intense, you're trying to solve real problems and there's no money to do it. And, you know, it's, it's in our day, and I'm sure it's the same now, it was Guys, if we can't figure this out, they're closing the doors next week. If we can't figure this out, they're going to turn off our power. If we can't figure this out, they're going to shut up our phones. It was a commercial radio station. And when you're in, in it with friends, those friends become pretty tight for a long time. So, it, um, And I do want to give actually one more shout out to another alum that I did work with uh, in case that she might be a part of this as well is Kate Snow, who is now, of course, a newscaster for NBC, one of their anchors. She was class of 91 and I was class of 93. So she and I did actually work together on some mornings uh, and middays and, and really uh, a, someone who, when you, when you listen to her and talk to her, you knew she was going to be in the industry. You knew she was going to make it. So that was probably um, one of the, uh, one more name I wanted to throw out there. No, I greatly appreciate that as well. A couple of semesters ago. So there's a, a lecturer in the communication department, Christopher Byrne, he was able to make a connection with Kate Snow to have kind of this live Skype in conversation with her. And she talked about you know, that high integrity need and just that experience getting it so young at BBR and just from learning about all of that. She, I think she said she wanted to go into music originally and she ultimately got left with a new spot because that's the only thing that was left and, and look where she is now. And, and we greatly appreciate that she still keeps that kind of a connection with BBR. I think she made the right decision by going in the news as opposed to music. I think she's in the right place. The last question is, and you may, I don't know how much more you have left, but I kind of leave this one as an open mic for all the guests, for the alumni, whether you have a, a message for the students, for the alumni, just, you know, for anybody who's listening and tuning into the podcast, just anything you want to get off your chest? I'd say for the alumni, if you have not gotten involved yet, I highly recommend it. Get on the mailing list talk to the, uh, the current staff members, the current leadership. It's really been rewarding and really um, it's been very heartening for me to talk to the young people that have been in charge since I've been gone because it is in very, very good hands and, and the business is sustainable. And, and the, the next generation of young people that have the same passion that we did 20, 30 years ago are there. So if you're an alum and you're not connected 
I highly recommend it. If you are a student a staff member now, I hope you love it as much as we did. And I hope you're having as much fun as we did. And I hope that um, you will maintain those relationships. I, I brought visual aids. I, I've got, I mean, I kept all of my, my staff wow. souvenirs. This hat is, that's about 30 years old. And then over here, this is hard to get now. This is a 1990-something vintage WVBR staff t-shirt. I just pulled this out of my closet five minutes before I walked out here. I mean, this is, these are lifetime connections. And I hope everybody that's there uh, feels the same way about it. No, I'm going to have to definitely take uh, screenshots and share that when I publish the episode. And I greatly appreciate the comment about you, you know, you saying to, to get the alumni involved. I mean, we love talking to the alumni and we love having these kinds of conversations. Even if our ideas don't match up, it certainly gives us perspective on, on what to do next, because I think what's so crazy about radio is it's been one of those industries that's been trying to navigate, you know, the new 21st century with now the rise of more digital rather than in, you know, traditional FM airwaves. And so we've really appreciated ideas for new digital content, certainly for podcasting. I've had the pleasure of trying to get a few up and going and getting VBR in the podcasting space, and it's going to be continuously changing. But in any case, I think it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, we love seeing people like you and who we can become. And even if we don't go into the media industry, just finding success in our own ways. So I, I really, really greatly appreciate that. Well, it's my pleasure coming to date myself as someone who graduated from Cornell without an email address. There was no internet uh, in 1993 when we left. Everything done by hand to see what the station has done in the digital realm to have a streaming service, to have uh, the record label, which is a brilliant idea, you know, something that was a long time coming and all the different ways that the station is keeping up with the technology. Uh, like I said, heartening is the word that I used. It was very encouraging when I went back and I've been back a couple of times now uh, to see the building and, and the operation. Uh, it's very encouraging for us who want to see it go on forever. Well, Mr. Whit Watson, greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Cheers. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.